listener production. You, you, you got clear questions, we got clear answers. Hello, my beautiful friends. Welcome back to another episode of Come Out Wherever You Are. It is Friday, which means it's time for your favorite weekly segment, Queer Questions, where I dive deep into a piece of news or culture that queer humans everywhere can't stop talking about. You got queer questions, we got queer answers. Today is the final episode of our fourth season. By the time that this drops, I will have interviewed 49 people about their coming out experience. 49 unique stories spanning numerous decades, every state in this beautiful country, and a plethora of coming out reactions, right? The good, the bad, the great, the anticlimactic, and the downright devastating. I have spoken to people who have come out as gay, lesbian, bisexual, transgender, non-binary, intersex, asexual, pansexual, queer, gender non-conforming, and even people who despise labels who definitely aren't straight. I've interviewed people born in the 1940s, and I've interviewed people born in the early 2000s. And while every story has been drastically different, I've definitely found a lot of themes, right? Some common threads that pull all of our coming out stories together. So today's queer question, the last one of this season, is going to be a fun one because I'm going to be answering what have I learned from interviewing 49 people about their coming out experience? The first thing I want to chat about is the fact that people come out all the damn time. You will know if you've been listening to the show for a while that we start every single episode by saying when was the first time you came out and when was the last time you came out. And almost every single guest always has in their back pocket a really easy memory. And it's usually within the last couple of days or weeks, right? It's not difficult at all for queer people to grab onto a recent coming out experience. And so oftentimes when people are like, I don't think we should have to come out anymore, I'm like, do I think that you should maybe not have to come out to your family because telling them you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend should become just like a common piece of practice when you have accepting parents? Yeah, totally. I totally feel that way. But the rude reality of the human experience is that you come across a lot of people on a regular basis and there's a script that we all have about the human experience, right? If you're out with parents, you're going to ask about mom and dads. If you're at school drop-off, you're going to ask about mom and dads. If you're in an Uber, people are going to want to hear about your day. If you're talking about a date, they are just going to expect that it's someone of the opposite gender. And because 90% of the time that script is proven successful, it's not likely that every single person that you come in contact with is going to feel the need to alter that script. And so I think what's been nice about starting every episode that way is it just plants a little seed in allies' heads that this is just not a once-in-a-lifetime moment. It doesn't just happen one time and then you walk away. We are asked to address our sexuality, our gender, our pronoun preferences all the time. And sometimes we're in a really good place to talk about that and other times we are not, but it is absolutely a part of the lived experience of every member of the LGBTQI plus experience. And so I think it's really valuable to consider that. Consider it for yourself if you're straight. How often do you have to identify? How often 
are you placed in a box where you feel uncomfortable because they put you in the wrong box? And so it's just, it's important for us. And I think from hosting the show, it's reminded me the way that we speak, it has power and meaning. And labels might not be important to you, but they are to other people. And how can we respect people? We can be a little bit broader. We can say partner instead of wife. We can go into interactions expecting that people might be different. And if they're not, guess what? Not a problem at all. The second thing I wanted to chat about was the fact that a lot of our guests struggled to remember parts of their coming out experience. It was like it was the first time they had ever been asked it. Some of our guests even said that to me. And that's sad. This is easily one of the hardest things that almost all members of this community will have to go through. Whether you believe we should be coming out or not, feeling different, especially when you're young, is really hard. And when the entire world around you, when the family that's raising you, right, the role models, not just in your TV screen and radio, but like quite literally in your house are different than the way you feel inside. They love and have sex with and express themselves towards a different gender and you aren't, you aren't that way. Well, that's a lot of pressure on your shoulders that weighs on you. And so when you come out, when you finally have the courage to speak your truth, no matter how people respond, it's just such a monumental moment and it shapes the rest of your life. And so the fact that people don't talk about it, it's a pity. And I know that because I never thought to ask my friends about their coming out stories. I have an endless crew of gay friends. And prior to the show, it just wasn't something that got brought up. But we do it a lot in other spaces. We're getting a lot better at talking to people about their divorces, right? When there's time away from the actual moment, we talk to people about their IVF experience. We hold space for people who have dealt with trauma. And coming out for a lot of young people, there's a lot of trauma attached to that, the secrets that they held for all of those years. And so after this show and starting it and doing these interviews, I've started to ask more people, is this something you want to chat about? How was your journey? Are you still close with your family? So that they can understand the severity of it, how important it was, so that they're not just kind of feeling they have to suppress this thing that was so huge for them. It's a fundamental part of our experience on earth, our gender and our sexuality, whether you like it or not. And so talking to people about that, people you care about, if that was like one takeaway from the show, I would love for you to ask the queer people in your life if you've never have, are you comfortable sharing your coming out story? I'd love to learn a part of your past. The third thing that kind of jumps out to me is the fact that so many of our guests remember verbatim what their friends and family said when they came out. And I guess the reason why I think that's so important is it's just a friendly reminder that your words have meaning, they have value, and they stay with people. And that's why I always say when people ask, like, oh, what should I do when someone comes out of my life? Prepare in advance right now. How would you respond if someone came out to you? Think of someone, anyone, a child in your life, a friend, a colleague, and just do the thought experiment. Like if someone came out, how would I respond? For most of you, it's easy. You would just say, oh, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. Thank you for sharing that with me. And you would know not to say, oh, I already knew. It's not that big of a deal, right? And if you don't have all those answers, we have another podcast episode. So just scroll back a couple episodes and you'll find it. Because if you say the wrong thing, my friends, you of course can apologize later, but that person, it's going to stick with them. It just is. And that's a big part of the show is, is raising awareness about the fact that when people come out, how others respond, it shapes their life. It just does. The 
Fourth thing I want to talk about is probably the fact that a lot of people on the show, it was a, a thread that I did not expect, didn't want to be the only source of information after coming out, right? You are 14, 16, 21, you come out as gay or non-binary or trans, and then all of a sudden people expect you to be the dictionary for all queer things. And a lot of the people who are coming out are just figuring things out for themselves, or they're not just figuring things out, but just because they come out, they didn't want to be the public advocate, the answerer of all questions. And so a really important thing that not a lot of people do, but I think is something I could pass on to you, is you can ask people, are you in a place where you are comfortable answering some questions that I have? Because so many of our guests said that all of a sudden they had all these questions they wanted to ask me and I didn't have all the answers. And so you have the internet. You can walk away and do some of that research yourself and then come back after you've done the research if there's further questions. And that shows just intent and passion and a love for them, a respect for them to do some of that work on your own. And then you can come and maybe you won't have those same questions. Another thing that popped up maybe unexpectedly for me, is how many people changed along their journey and had to come out multiple times, right? We have a lot of great examples on this podcast of people coming out as gay or lesbian and then later having to come out as non-binary or later coming out as trans. And what that reminded me, and I guess a piece of important information to pass along, is that people change, they evolve, they grow. They often have to do come out multiple times. And it's your job to just support the whole journey, I really hate when people say, oh, young people are just coming out and they're exploring. Yeah, and so what? If someone comes to you and says, I have a girlfriend and they're a boy, you don't ever go, oh, I'm not sure. You could just be experimenting. Yeah, come to me later when you're positive. You would never do that. And I know you wouldn't because no one does that. And so I think if you think about gender and sexuality as like a journey that we are all on and we could all be on, I think it would be really powerful for you to just sit with that so that when people come out to you and you think about it as a journey, you accept them as they are in that moment. And if they come out again, you don't question that their first story was not true. You don't do that. Very important for me as I've done this show to come to terms with the fact that society has placed so much internalized kind of homophobia, queerphobia at large inside of a lot of us. And so unpicking who we are takes time. And so when young people come out to you, I think Sandy McIntyre said it on this show, like that's a sign that you're a good person, that someone trusts you and respects you and loves you enough. And that should be enough for you. They've trusted you with their truth. Just accept it in the moment. And if it changes in the future, great. And if it doesn't, also great. Another thing I was thinking about was the fact that almost every single person on this show, no matter when they grew up, did not have access to queer examples, including some of the people who came out in the early 2000s. So like some of our absolute youngest guests, when I would ask them, did you grow up in an accepting environment? Tell me about if you had, you know, knew any gay people, there weren't examples. And while that might be true on paper, the reality is, is there were people all around them. They were there. They were just hidden. And so as a parent, I feel like if you're listening and you're a parent or even just a really good friend of young people, there are ways that you can change that. Because there might not be someone out at their high school or out at their 
you know, swim lessons or even in your neighborhood or in your immediate family. But as a parent, it's your job to find examples to show your children the different types of people that exist in the world so that they are better prepared to interact with those people in the future. It's something I do outside of the queer community. I think it's just a really good way to parent your children if they don't have access to diversity. I did this with my kids. I literally Googled alopecia, dwarfism, cleft lip, a bunch of different things, different people that they might come in contact with over the course of their time on earth. And when they're young, show them pictures, show them videos, and allow them to safely ask you questions in the comfort of your home, in the comfort of your warm parental embrace. So they're not forced to come in contact with people who are different in the real world and then trip up or make a mistake, right? It's so normal for us when we're young to like seek to understand routine or structure or patterns. And when something jumps out as different, we stare at it and we point. And then young kids get in trouble. Don't point, don't stare. Well, come on. Do you blame them? There are influential advocates in every single category on planet Earth. There are communities and micro-communities of every sort. And as a parent, you can find those and you can show those to young queer people. That's what I do with my kids. So if almost every single guest on our show, even if they were born in the early 2000s, didn't have access to queer people, that meant that the people in their lives, that's fine, but they didn't consider the fact that they could have found Birdcage and showed them that movie. They could have found a social media influencer, followed someone like me online to show them my family so that their children understood there are different types of people in the world who don't just look like the ones in our home. And that's it. And then I guess the last thing that just always weighs on me, it's probably one of the more powerful lessons I've learned from the show personally, is that coming out is a long process and it takes time, not just for you to come to terms with it, because that can take years and years or decades for some people. But for other people, that's the big lesson for me, that I put so much pressure when I was younger coming out that my family and my community was going to come to terms with my news quickly and accept it quickly. And unfortunately, that set me up for failure. It took me a really long time to unpick why I was so mad at people for not supporting me right away. But what I never did was overlapped their timeline with acceptance and my timeline with acceptance, right? I gave myself years, right? I knew when I was around 11. And so it took many, 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 many years before I accepted that that's who I was and I was willing to talk about it. So I think if you're queer and you're listening and you might be a little upset with your family, they're not using the right pronouns or they're not accepting of my new partner or they think it's just a phase, just ask yourself, how long has it been? A week? a month, a year. A year might feel really long, but through the lens of how long it took you to come to terms with your truth. And I do think if we give other people the benefit of the doubt, we understand that it takes time and we're willing to be ourselves, authentic, as long as you're not going back into the closet for other people, as long as you're not being put in danger. But if people are struggling a little bit, I think patience is a really valuable part of this process. Because almost everyone on the show who might have had a troubling experience or their family didn't respond the way that they would have liked, well, over time, they learned to. So yeah, lots of unbelievable lessons for me personally on the show. I think having these conversations has allowed me to be more accepting of others. 
Just because you're a member of this community doesn't mean you understand every letter of the alphabet. And when we open up and are willing to learn about other members of not just our community, but this world, we become more empathetic and sympathetic to others. And I think that's an incredibly valuable, useful tool that we can give ourselves when we want to become a better people down the line. Every single one of us should want to seek to understand more so that we can be a better person. And that is what the show has done for me. If you're coming in hot, brand new, you haven't listened to a lot of episodes, I would implore you to scroll all the way back to the very first episode when Denny Todorovic told us about them coming out as gay and then later as non-binary and make your way through. There is so much to learn and I guarantee you, you're going to walk away feeling like you have a better understanding of the human experience. And that should be a part of the gift that you give yourself when you're on Earth. Thank you very much. I am not 100% sure when or if you will ever hear from me next. This is the end of the fourth season. Who knows what the future holds? If this is the very last time that you hear from me, thank you for joining us. So lovely to have you as a member of the Come Out Wherever You Are community. It's been one of the greatest gifts of my lifetime to host and hold these conversations. I'm a better person for it, and I hope that you feel the same way. If you have any last questions or you'd like to reach out to us, you always can come into our DMs at Come Out Wherever You Are on Instagram, or you can email us at Come Out to Us. That's Come Out T O U S at gmail.com. Come Out Wherever You Are is presented by me, Sean Zeps. Our lovely producer is Lindsay Grain. Our executive producer is Lemma Zacharia. And we can't forget our audio producer, Chris Marsh. And I hope you have a fabulous rest of your week. Bye-bye.